Hi, this is Juliette Hahn. Welcome to your next stop. So season three, I am having humans on uh, your next stop. It's not just women. It is humans that have followed a passion and turned it into a business. And my first guest is Jonathan Goldhill. I'm really excited for you guys to dive into this episode. Jonathan is a uh, a consultant. He coaches entrepreneurs and family businesses um, and how to kind of grow and scale their, their business. He has a podcast called This Disruptive Successor. He also has a book, Disruptive Successor. And again, his company is The Gold Hill Group. You can find him on really any social media. He hangs out on LinkedIn the most, but you can also go to IG, which is The Gold Hill Group, Twitter, The Gold Hill Group. But really, you're going to find the most at his website, which is thegoldhillgroup.com. I'm really excited for you guys to learn about Jonathan's story and his pivots. He started basically his journey, his family. He grew up in Scarsdale, New York. His family had a family business. By the time he was getting into the workforce, that was no longer. So that's really where he got his idea um, to start the Gold Hill Group. And just wait until you hear about the pivots and how he took opportunities to then be able to leverage the learning that he received to then start his own business. And he's been doing this for over 22 years. So again, the Disruptive Successor book and podcast, you can find Jonathan on all of the uh, socials. But really, if you go to his website, you can get some free tools and tips. You can also download some free um, chapters of the disruptive successor. Don't forget to follow me on all my socials. I am Juliette Hahn and check out other episodes of Your Next Stop or YNS Live with the NFL series. And we will see you guys next week. Have you ever been listening to your favorite podcast and that moment comes up and you think, oh my gosh, I need to share it? Well, now you can with Picked Cherries. What I love about Picked Cherries so much is that when I'm listening to my favorite podcast and that moment comes up that I want to share, I can take a snippet, which is called a Picked Cherry, and I can send that to my friends and family so they can get involved in the podcast that I love. It's almost like sending an IG or a TikTok. Available now, iOS and Android. If you're not picking cherries, are you really listening to podcasts? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Your Next Stop. I am the host, Juliette Hahn. Another episode where you guys are going to be inspired. I am so excited to introduce you to Jonathan Gold Hill, a family business coach and has a book, Disruptive Successor. Jonathan does really, really cool things. And if you read his bio, the first thing, the first word is passion. He is passionate about helping entrepreneurs and family business grow. And he's been doing that since 1980. 86. So I can't wait to dive into this. Welcome, Jonathan, to your next stop. Thanks a lot, Julia. Great. Pleased to be on the show today. Well, I'm excited to dive into your story because I know when I was on your podcast, we really um, had such great synergy and such... I mean, the conversation really took so many different paths. And I knew that I was excited when season three started, when I was having humans on your next stop, not just women, that you were going to be a guest. So can you give us a little background about who you are and then, you know, really where your life kind of took your pivots and churns and how you ended up starting the Gold Hill Group? Yeah, that's a really big question. So who, who am I? Uh, I? I am a human for sure, like you said. And uh, I think I'm someone who's always somewhat marched to my own, the beat of my own drum, but always been inspired by other people who I felt were 
I use the term leading blockers. It's kind of a football term, but like I, I've always worked in companies that had someone who banged down the, the doors. Uh, they were a high influencing, high dominating kind of a, maybe a sales or entrepreneurial leader. And I was always the number two guy behind them. And like, this goes back to my childhood. I, I used to wait outside my older brother's door when he wasn't feeling well, waiting for him to maybe need something. And I would go get it for him. I mean, like I've been that guy and what's interesting is like my life has really evolved today and Juliet, like I'm 64 years old and I've, I no longer use the term like work from home, WFH, right. I'm, I'm WFA, I'm work from anywhere. Uh, I love that. I, Today I'm I'm speaking to you. I'm in Southampton, New York. Yesterday I was in uh, Lower Manhattan. Yeah, and you live on the West Coast, right? Yeah. Saturday I'm going to be in in Los Angeles, and then on Monday or Wednesday I'm going to be up in Monterey. And then, I mean, I've been traveling. I've been in Europe. I've been I've been all over, really. And I'm able to do this work, which is business coaching, advising, mentoring, being a trusted advisor. And so, how did I get into this work? Um, so a little backup, uh, my family, uh, built a very large, uh, men's suit manufacturing, uh, company. And that was built in the really going back to the early 1900s, all the way into the late 1960s. And they sold it, but continued to run it, uh, until 1986. Um, it was a very successful business. Uh, when I say they can, sold it in 1969 uh, for a very large sum of money, um, they were given lifetime employment contracts as a CEO and, and CAO. And this is all from my research. I, I don't remember getting this information firsthand from my grandfather, but they he, he lived a, a very successful lifestyle, philanthropic, very large social life. And... He was an artist and uh, and a clothing executive, and I just always admired who he was. He was such a self made man. I always I was like I wanted to be that person, but you know, unfortunately, um, he was I was not did not have that same drive. He was an a new immigrant. Like uh, I mean, he was born here, but. He really, he and his brothers had to pick themselves up by the bootstraps and everything they did was, everything they made was theirs. And, you know, the story of working with family businesses is that it takes three generations to go from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves, which means that by the third or fourth generation, they've, they've spent all the money that was made by the, amassed by the family and it's starting all over again. And so I grew up in a, I would say a upper middle class family Scarsdale, Mamaroneck, New York, lived a pretty amazing life, got to move to California when I was 20 to finish college and to follow my passion. And I continued following my passion. And eventually at some point I said, you know, I need to go to business school and get an education because I'm kind of doing some of these entrepreneurial things, but I have no roadmap, no mentor, <laughs> no framework. And that's when I went to get my MBA at University of Southern California and learned some of my first frameworks and started business consulting with small businesses after that. And I've just 
continued to do that for the last 30 years. It's, it's merged and it's morphed into coaching, right. but it's still consulting, advising small and mostly family owned businesses. Which I mean, the thing that I love, and I remember when I was on your podcast, the disruptive successor, you know, that also mimics your book. You guys have to check both of those out. And before you can also check out Jonathan on IG, the Gold Hill Group, Twitter, the Gold Hill Group, you can check out his website as well. So if you're listening to this and you're not driving and you're like, hey, I just want to look a little bit about this, uh, you know, what Jonathan is doing because you have a small business or you know someone that has a family business and you know that his his um, expertise will be able to help you. But one of the things, Jonathan, that I loved when I was on your podcast is the connection that you had to your grandfather. He was definitely yeah. a very special man to you, but you can also feel it when you spoke. I know we spoke about the whole storytelling and how we all connect through stories. And that was one of the things that you and I really connected on. And I thought, which was so lovely. And even when you just said now that, you know, you stood outside your brother's door, it sounded like your grandfather was a lot like that, that you really got his service heart. As you said, he was, you know, very um, philanthropic and that you got his service heart and then took it to a different level and, and followed the path that was meant to be for you, which is really cool to see how this evolved that the whole, you know, you learned a lot about your family history because you were curious. That's one of the things that we really connected that the curiosity. And then from there, you said, I want to be able to help people that were in a kind of position that my grandfather and my family and my dad and my brother, you know, that had this kind of business and how can I help in a different way? And then that's where you really evolved. And so I think it's so um, interesting. That's why season three, I really wanted to have humans on, not just women, because I am now at a different place in my, my business, my career, my podcast with my speaking engagements, with the coaching that I'm doing, the consulting I'm doing. And so I think it's so interesting, the steps that you have taken and weaved and and done that. So when did you start the podcast and write the book? If you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the podcast and the book launched the same month, and that was November of 2020. And I started writing the book probably in January of that same year. And, you know, what was the book about? Like the book was an effort for me to put my own stamp on what I do. I've oftentimes, or I've, I've usually had other people's tools, other people's systems, and I was marketing or promoting those systems, but I always felt that there was something that needed to come from me. And so what I did was I, I put a, a framework, uh, like a roadmap, uh, like a, um, a, a, a book, with tools that small businesses could use to scale up their businesses. And I focused on family businesses because that's where I had had some really good stories and good success. And, and so the, the, the podcast was an opportunity to expand the brand, um, and, and extend it beyond just the book. Um, as you know, like, you know, for a coach to have a book that that's like for an ordinary person to have a business card. Right. I don't even carry a business card anymore. I actually don't carry my book either, but that's what <laughs> I lead with is like, you know, get a copy of my book and, and then let's talk. That usually is pretty convincing to people like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about and he's got a few things that he could help us with. Right. So, and I love that you married those together because it is really, it's, it's true. The fact that you're using, you know, you're using the podcast to build your brand. And so I would love for you to touch on that a 
little bit. Do you coach your um, clients the same way? So if they have a family business and a podcast makes sense, do you also help them kind of figure that aspect out? Or is that something that they find out on your own? Are you coaching a little different them in, in those aspects? Are you asking me if I'm coaching them to take their business and turn it into a podcast? Is that what you're asking? No, not oh. turn it into a podcast, but like, as you said, building a brand. I mean, it's so brilliant. And so many people don't realize what the power of podcasting can be for your brand. Right. Yeah. So, um, I have clients who are really successful. Um, and th this, this is really the minority, a client who's really successful, who is oriented towards coaching others and giving back and knows the power of, of video and, and does a lot of video and does a lot of social media. And, uh, they're also, I mean, they're not doing a podcast, but they participate on other people's podcasts quite a bit. And it wouldn't surprise me if in a year or two that this particular individual launches a, a podcast as well, because he's very aspirational and building his company, which which has gone from a couple million dollar business to 15 million dollars a year. You know, now he's he's really able to I mean, he's focusing at the business on a more strategic level and he's focusing on building his brand. But, you know, most small businesses, most family businesses that are probably 10 million and under, they're not focusing so much on themselves as a thought leader or as a, as a brand spokesperson. They're just, they're busy just trying to deal with managing uh, the messaging with their customers and their employees and, you know, managing all the relationships and the, and the changes and the growth and, you know, I mean, and the hundreds of other things that come with running a, a business these days. Right. And so I love how you said that because that's the thing. And it really, I, I, this is why I love doing the podcast because it really sparks different things when I ask a question and someone says something and then I'm like, oh, my wheels are getting turned because the fact that you said, and I want my listeners to hear this again, the fact that you started the podcast to build your brand, it was something that was in your wheelhouse podcasting is not easy. I'm, I'm sure when you first started it, it, it you, you, there was a learning curve, you know, it, it's uh, absolutely a yep. lot of people think, Oh, I can just put a podcast out. It's a lot of work behind the scenes. So it is not for everyone, but one of the things, and I, I've had a couple other guests on, um, this podcast that have said that, uh, what you just said about using a podcast to build your brand, people don't think of it that way. And if specifically, if a company, a small business, a family owned business has that individual in their business that actually could start the podcast, it's smart to do because people don't think of themselves as the brand. They use the business as the brand instead of marketing themselves. And it really is an, an awesome flip because a lot of times the people behind the scenes that started this business are really dynamic, really interesting people and have really incredible stories that they don't lead with. They lead what, you know, what their services are. And, and, and that is smart. I mean, obviously that is a good thing to do, but a lot of times if you lead with your story and you're the brand, it's going to connect with a different, with a different group. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I'm thinking about a podcast that I was just on last week or two weeks ago and I was a guest and it's with Richard Grove of Wall Storage Systems down in Atlanta, Georgia. And he brought in another small business coach and a, an interviewer. It was one of his first and early podcasts. But he's he sees the power of the podcast as a way to expand his influence as a social media marketer. And, you know, he's got, he's got a really cool product. 
that uh, they're involved in doing wall storage. So I think it, if I recall correctly, originally it was, it was like moms and women at home who wanted the, their houses organized. And so they did, they couldn't stand the, their husband's pegboard <laughs> system in the garage where the pegs would always fall out. Right. And, uh, and initially I think it was like, well, we could do this in the kitchen. And so it's expanded into a wall storage business that, you know, it, it's great. It's like the container store, but it's, it's focused right. on, you know, using your wall as a place for, you know, for, for rack systems. And, and so I think he's seeing the podcast as a way to extend his brand in, in a really positive way. And I think, again, I think he's at a size where the business is running itself pretty well. So he can step outside of, uh, of the wheelhouse of, you know, what he has to do to be able to, um, uh, promote this, this brand. I love that. And I love that you got to kind of be a part and see that because I'm sure talking to other people, having people on your podcast, being on other people podcasts, you get ideas and, and, and ideas that kind of help continue growing your company and doing what you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about the seven P playbook? Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of business books have tools and I think tools are what help people to uh, re-engineer the way they think about things and then ultimately change their behavior. So the tool, Buckminster Fuller said, the use of which the tool changes their behavior and the way they think. So I think it's really valuable. And so my book is filled with a half a dozen downloadable tools that you get off the website. And it's built into a framework, the, which is one of my tools. The, the main tool is called the seven P's framework. And it's no, in no particular order, but it generally starts with what's your purpose. Um, and, uh, what's your plan? What are, what are your priorities? Your 90 day, one year, three year priorities. You know, the plan is what is your one year, three year, 10 year? Um, who are your people? Um, like who's going to be the, the, the team that gets you where you need to go? And who's, who is someone on the team that, or who are the people that you're really enthusiastic about that are on your team? And, and maybe who are, who's on the team that needs to be let go of? Uh, what else did I skip over? Your products, which is your product or your service. What is it? What are you doing to make it, let's just say, sexier? Um, and by sexier, I mean, you know, upgraded with technology so that the delivery system is improved or uh, the feedback from the customer is improved or the business model is changed. So how do you update those? Which is really challenging for a lot of family businesses because family businesses are typically like manufacturing service construction and they, they know they need to do something different than the way their mother or father did it, but they're not really sure what that looks like. So, and then, so we go into um, performance um, so there are seven of these different P's that provide a framework for people to use this tool to look at their business through that particular lens. And then I've, I've now put together a, a growth checklist around those tools, uh, which people can download off of my website. That's great. So, I, yeah, no, I love the fact that you, I mean, you have your business, you have your coaching consulting company, the Gold Hill Group. You saw that, okay, the next step really the next stop in my, your life is okay let's do a book and let's do a podcast so you're really giving your clients this really amazing um 
you know, toolbox. It's not just you coaching, um, you know, one-on-one, you can say, Hey, I want you to listen to episode X, Y, and Z on my podcast. Cause I talk about that there, or I want you to go to chapter five. I want you to read up that. So it's not only given you the, the giving it's made you be able to spread yourself a little bit wider, I would assume. And, and I would love for you to comment on this, but really kind of give yourself, um, make, you know, one, two or three of you, instead of there's only just one, you only have this many hours in a day, but you can give your clients a little homework. Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Was that done purposefully or was that kind of, kind of came about? Yeah. So I, like I said earlier, I was using other people's systems and other people's tools and their frameworks. And, and, you know, eventually you get to a level of maturity in your business where you start thinking like, well, you know, I want it branded kind of my own way. I want to communicate, you know, like, I mean, I know some great tools and checklists and, uh, they're great for other types of companies, but they're not great for necessarily the company. That's my ideal client. And so I put together stuff that I thought would serve my ideal client. And I continue to try and improve that. And I, look, I'm not trying to build a, uh, a business out of this, like my business is, like I said earlier, it's a WFA, it's work from anywhere and it's work with anyone in terms of like vendors and people that are all over the world. But like my team that I work with is all fractional. They're all remote. Um, so I'm not looking to build a company of coaches and, you know, have a location and let them and, and develop them into my system. But it is great to have these, these tools and frameworks and checklists that, you can put out in term, on your website, you can put them out on social media, and it's a great way for people to get to know you and start to look at their business through your lens. And if they like the lens that they're looking through, like, well, let's have a conversation with this person. Let's get close up with them. Which I think is is really cool. And so you touched also on, you know, starting this business um, as a passion. A lot of times, you know, my listeners know a lot of my guests have been, um, they've done the steps where they, you know, they went to university, they got a corporate job, they realized they hated the corporate job, they decided to go into business for themselves and go in that route. Was your strictly, you started your own business right out of, of getting your... Um, you know, business degree? No, I mean, I actually, when I got my MBA, I, I did a few interviews. I knew I wanted to go into consulting. I, I was an entrepreneur grad, but I knew I didn't have a business that I wanted to start right off. I knew I wanted to be a consultant. And after a few interviews with some large firms where I saw this doesn't look interesting at all. Like go interview, go work with a big healthcare company. If you take off on a plane Sunday night, you're in a hotel Monday through Friday, you fly back home Friday. And I was like, okay, that's not my thing. And I looked at a handful of firms like that. And I just said, you know, I hung my own shingle shingle initially as a small business consultant, but I saw how difficult it was to market and, and get clients. And so I, within a few months, I joined a, a fledgling, business and economic development firm in the San Fernando Valley. And over, I stayed there for 10 years. And over the next 10 years, we took this fledgling company that like in my second year, we had only a hundred thousand dollars in revenue split amongst three people. So we borrowed $10,000 from the chamber of commerce upstairs. And, uh, within like five years, uh, we were, f well, other people's misfortune, which was an earthquake 
1994 um, was our was our fortune because we got a lot of funding from the city, the state, the county, and ultimately the federal government. And we created these programs to provide business counseling, um, business loan training, entrepreneurial training, you know, and we assisted thousands upon thousands of businesses. And I, I stayed there for 10 years and we built it into a 35 person, $4 million a year, 10 plus million dollars in assets company. So it was a good, it was a good ride. And then I just realized that it was time for me to go out on my own uh, and do my own thing. And that's what, that's when I left. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's really cool because that, I mean, again, this is what I want the listeners to take from this, that you knew that that's not really what you wanted to do, but you also saw where you could learn from it and then take that and leverage it out when you start your own business. And I think that's something that's really important that people don't always, um, appreciate, you know, sometimes people will say, Oh, well, I, I was in this career, but it was really my wrong career. It was like, not my path. I don't know how I landed there. I'm stuck. And I always say to people, you might be stuck. You might be feeling stuck. However, the situation that you're in right now, the company that you're working for, whatever you're doing, if you're not working, you're working, whatever you are in life, you have to look around you and really think, okay, what can I learn from this experience? Because everything is really a, a, a learning experience, whether, you know, it's every day you wake up, you're going to learn something if you're aware and have an open mind to allow that to happen. So I think it's very cool that you decided, you know what, I see something here that I can kind of learn and then take it and leverage it into my, into my own company. So did you quit that job first or retire from that job first and then start your own business? Or were you starting it kind of as you were knowing that you were on your way out? So I always knew that I could go back into being a, you know, a work from home solo consultant, because I knew that after 10 years that I, I built something, uh, that I could do it on my own. It just, I knew it was right. going to be a little harder because we had some unique advantages. Um, we were the only business and economic development center in all of the San Fernando Valley. And so we were the agency that got money when it flowed into our, into our 1 million population, uh, area. Right. So the answer to your question is, um, the internet was happening in a really big way. It was 1998. Um, and you know, companies were taking off left and right and they were getting funded based on the back of a napkin kind of a business plan. They'd get, you know, a few million dollars. And so my initial idea was to go work for the, most successful incubator of small businesses, uh, which was started by a guy named Bill Gross. And it was called Idea Lab. And he was churning out companies there like every day. He was coming up with more ideas and funding more companies. And so I thought, well, I want to go over there and be like his general manager. And so uh, I got a paid interview for a week. And at the end of the week, they said, you know, we don't think it's the right fit. I mean, well, of course it's not a right fit. You're going to have me do regression models. I'm not that guy. Um, and it turns out that the person who was the right fit was the woman in the, in the office next door, um, who got married, uh, a few years later, uh, <laughs> to Bill Gross. So, okay. So that wasn't it. And then I got recruited by, a a friend 
who had who had known me through like parties and social circles and said, um, I've, I've got this organization. I need a COO. I need someone who can run events. We were, were planning to do like 80 events this year. And they are for people who are migrating from the old economy to the new economy. And it's basically a digital media networking organization where we have, we do events, we do, we have sponsors, we have advertisers, we have partnerships and your background because you were involved in the whole life expo, which is a large consumer oriented type of trade show um, in New York and San Francisco and LA where I have been uh, a GM of that organization. Um, he knew that I could be successful in sales and the events business and managing staff. And so I jumped over to that thing and it was really exciting. I mean, we did some amazing events. We had a lot of people um, show up. We were building out a huge business plan. We were trying to raise money. We only were able to secure a million dollars from one investor who uh, whose net worth went from uh, 300 million down to like 6 million overnight, um, when the <laughs> NASDAQ crashed. And so he kind of backed out of that deal with us. And, uh, you know, I think it was six or nine months later, uh, it was okay. What do I do now? This business is not viable any longer. We lost our biggest sponsors and, you know, as most MBAs did, they either went, uh, and, and most people that language that day was everything was B2B and B2C. You know, business to business, business to consumer, but that language changed to back to banking and back to consulting. And so for me, it was back to consulting. <laughs> you know, it was it was set up your computer at, at your home, start you know hustling for clients, and and that was in two thousand. So it's been a twenty two years. I've been on my own, and sometimes not always easy. A lot of times in the beginning, I wanted to uh, quit or I wanted to find someone else who would, uh, you know, some other person who could rescue me or, or take me to the next level or, you know, who, who would be the leading blocker. But I never quite found that person. At one point I joined a firm actually about seven years ago, and this guy was definitely a leading blocker, but I just decided that, uh, um, that he was not a team player. And, uh, he, if you know, if people know the reference that there's no I in team, well, there is actually, if you look at the A and the hole in the A, um, and there he is the A hole. So, uh, <laughs> I, that's when I decided to not participate <laughs> with that guy anymore and went back, went back out on my own and I've never looked back. Right. I mean, I love that. And I love the, the progression and the growth as you, you know, um, kind of stepped into different roles. What do you think? made you as fearless. And I know that there's fear, right? You know, I always say to people, I know we all have fear, but what made you kind of be like, I'm just going to keep jumping and going and doing it. Do you think that's something that you innately are born with? Or do you feel watching family members, you know, or you had experiences, you know, I think we talked about this because of my dyslexia. I think it was actually one of the questions you asked me sort of because of my dyslexia, like I failed so many times in school that like, I don't even think of anything as failure. I'll tackle anything. And if I fail, I fail. I know that's a learning, you know, there's something I'm going to learn out of that failure, or I don't even like the word failure, but misstep. Um, and I really feel like that's what gave me kind of the balls to really just go in all into a lot of different things that I've done in my life. So I would love to hear a little bit from you. What do you think? Um, you know, where do you think you get that? Uh, I'm trying to think I, in my mind, I, if I look back, uh, 
I'm not a historian. And if, for those of you who might know Jim Collins, who the, the best-selling business author of books like Built to Last and mm -hmm. Good to Great, he really goes back and he does his research. So I, I don't do deep dive research on even my past behaviors. Um, but I do think that there might have been an inflection point for me. And that might have been around 2000 eight or nine, uh, when the real estate market crashed, um, I had always made a good living doing what I did, Juliet. And, um, I would say that we lived a pretty nice lifestyle on the living that I made. So we kind of supplemented it with, uh, with like little bits of help from family members mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Um, when that market crashed and the value in my home, uh, went underwater because we had borrowed off the house a little bit too much and we had leveraged the, you know, we were able to borrow off it because the market was going up. When that thing crashed, my back was up against a wall and there was nothing to do but focus on, you know, buckle down and um, be more aggressive and more assertive and more fearless and knowing that like this, that was bottom probably for me. A lot of entrepreneurs experience boom and bust cycles in their own personal wealth. And I never really had that before. Like I said earlier, I grew up in a, in a good family. We had, there was some money there, you know, I kind of had some money early in my twenties, gave me uh, the freedom and flexibility to kind of pick and choose what I wanted to do. So I always followed my passion, but it was when I started my consulting business on my own in 2000, but the first seven years were, were challenging. And I was always, you know, I was always hustling to try and get uh, the next business and the next deal. Um, I think when the back was up against a wall, like your story, you know, you had no choice but to fight your way out of it right. and put your head head down. So that that's my story. I love that. And I love that, you know, um, as I said, when I started season three, when I was really brainstorming and thinking, you know, I want to have humans on um, my live shows have taken off uh, with the NFL series. And so I was like, you know, I really want that this uh, season three to be humans. And you were one of the first people I thought about. So thank you so much for joining mm -hmm. your next stop. I love hearing your story. I love that we're connected in our fearlessness and, and so many things, um, you know, with the podcast and everything that, that you do. So thank you so much, Jonathan. My pleasure. Before we leave, if I'm going to do this in the beginning and I already did it, but if you want to just let anyone know like where to really search you up, if there's a different spot than I mentioned. And again, when I open the show, I tell everyone where, so they see it like three or four times. So if they forget to write it down once they, <laughs> they get it again. Um, but do you want to share with the listeners, you know, really where you hang out the most? I mean, I, a lot of people connect with me on LinkedIn the most in terms of the social media platforms. I try and make myself available on any of them and you should be able to find me. I'm, I'm not that active. I'm not active on Instagram or Facebook, but uh, the best place really is to go to my website and that's the goldhillgroup.com. I mean, from there, you can uh, grab a, ch a chapter of my book. You can grab some tool, free tools you can download. You can listen to my podcast. Um, you can find the growth checklist and, and take that. Uh, that's really the best place. And then there's also, you can schedule a call with me or you can email me, contact me. It's all really right there for you. It's pretty easy. Perfect. All right, guys, you know what to do. Like, share, rate, and review. And you might be listening to this and be like, oh, I love that. I feel more connected to Jonathan. Uh, and then you just leave it. But you know what? 
I want you to share it with three, four, five of your friends and family members because there's someone in your life that you might not realize that needs Jonathan. You might actually know someone that has a family business right now that's struggling, you know, after COVID or um, things have changed and they don't know where to go. Jonathan would be able to help leverage that family business. So definitely reach out to him. Um, listen to his podcast the disruptive successor, get his book. As he said, if you go to his website and um, Jonathan, again, thank you so much for joining your next stop. My pleasure. I hope you liked this episode of your next stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends and join in each week. 